Hi there, my name is C. I'm D, and you're listening to. Swinging, swinging down, down under. under. Our journey is a couple through the swinging lifestyle. Are you into open relationships? Or exploring new things in life? This is our podcast. Join in. Experiences. Both good and bad. <laughs> reviews and events. And more here Swinging Down Under. Come on. Join us. G'day guys and welcome to Swinging Down Under. This is C. And this is D. Today we're going to have a two-part episode. We are talking about a, well, we're calling them the Cali-Asian couple. D, why are we calling them that? I don't know. Because they're from California and now they live in Asia. Oh. We're going to chat about our recent date in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And then the second part of the episode is part of our cultural diversity segment. It is with a Canadian couple. How about we call it a cultural diversity series? Series. Because we seem, I mean, there seems to be an awful lot of cultural diversity to be going around. Well, we hope so. That's that's the, the end game. Yeah. So yeah, later on in the second ep- second part of the podcast, we're going to be talking to Monogamish Marriage. They're based out of Canada. Canada. Yeah, Canada. But first, let's dun, talk dun, about Cali-Asian and our date. Weirdos, right? They're great. So these, these guys actually <laughs> came to us because we received an email from friends over the United States saying, hey, these people are moving to Asia and we got full on fucking excited, right? We did get pretty excited, um, only because they uh, are sexy um, and seem to be quite intelligent and interesting. And they're only a 45-minute flight away. Only 45-minute flight, people. Yeah. 45-minute flight. Yeah. It's like down the fucking road. Basically down the road. I mean, we basically, most of the time, we don't even order flights. We just stick our thumb out near the (laughs) airport and the flights pick us up and take us. Yeah. And so we had... Started talking to them when they were on their way to relocate to Malaysia, and uh, you know that was kind of like a few months before they were going to get here. But we were like, "Yes, we would love a date." Yes, and we had a date. Like probably maybe not begging for a date. Uh, I mean, you were gagging for a date. I mean, was gagging later as well. It was somewhere in that realm. Like it was in that breed, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know that begging's the right thing to say. But uh, we ended up actually managing to book a trip up to Kuala Lumpur to see them. So we set up a date. Which from now on we're going to refer to as KL. Yeah, true. Because yeah. I am not going to say that over and over and over again. That's true. Yeah. So we are chatting to them on kick for a couple of months and set up a date in KL. They're and... all right. I mean, on kick, they're all right. They were right. <laughs> no, they were super clever. And she oh, yeah, right. she discovered Tim Tams, which is funny as shit. And then was oh, super yeah. For excited. those of you who don't know what a Tim Tam is, I uh, even as a non-sweet tooth. It's just it a is... chocky bicky. Come on. It's, yeah, but it's possibly one of the best chocky bickies to ever come out of Australia. Yeah, well, I'm going to say globally. I should say globally. I mean, I'm just going to say. I'm cool, going to throw man. that out there. To be cool. I'm going to throw that out there and say possibly the best chalky bicky globally. I don't know. There might be some listeners who would disagree. That's okay. They can write me an email mm. at d at swingingdownunder.com and uh, <laughs> I'll ignore it. Well, you know what I liked about, I mean, before we get into the date, what I liked was the fact that they had just arrived in KL and they were like, here's where we want to take you. Like when you guys come. They said, where's your hotel? We told them. They Still said, waiting on the guac. Yeah, still waiting on the guacamole. But they said, where do you guys want to go? We're going to take you to here. And I thought that was great. Like We've mentioned this in the past episodes, but having somebody else, whether it's a couple or a single guy, set up a date and say, this is what we're going to do, that's so exciting for me. This is what we're going to do with you and to you. Mm. Don't you think that's exciting? Yes, absolutely. It was really quite a nice change for us I because it. I think certainly here... 
we've generally been the people instigating and organizing some of this stuff so it's nice to have that as a change it's nice to be taken out on yes, a date that's the difference right Good makes point. you feel like it's like i special. now feel like a princess i know so you should we were wearing your tiara I was. Totally matched your ball gown, by the way. I loved it. Well, you know, my tiara is code for Cochrane. <laughs> well, but you know what? I mean, they're great. And let's, let's chat a little bit about them. They're from California. And she's actually, her heritage is Mexican, though, which yeah. was quite surprising to, to both of us. We didn't pick that, but I should have picked it because she has beautiful skin. And she just has that, like, really nice, flawless skin. And it was, I'm jealous of her skin. Gorgeous. Oh, I mean, is this going to be the episode where we talk about you peeling the skin off somebody? <laughs> it puts it the lotion. Puts the lotion. <laughs> she did. And she, and she was just, I loved, she had gorgeous long hair, she had beautiful eyes, beautiful, actually, you know what? Her teeth and smile too were fucking fantastic. And he was like tall, short hair, super handsome, great combination. They yeah. were a great fit, perfect couple. I'm not sure I could throw anything else at this. I mean, you, you really, there's a lot of compliments going on here, and um, you know, I know they listen, so uh, I'm not sure <laughs> that I can blow any more wind up their asses. Yeah, well, we do have permission to talk about them. I did triple check that. Of course. But yeah, well, we always have permission when we, we talk do. about people. So what, we do I mean, absolutely. Uh, for those of you who don't understand that, that's how it works. Yeah, and no, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I don't want people to think that we're just going to talk about like their shit. You know. <laughs> but we turn up at the date, especially if it's a crap date. I'm not going to just turn around and say you guys were shit in the sack. Mm-hmm. The you shit know? in the sack or shit in the sack? Oh, if they shit in the sack, then that's a whole different story. Right. I mean, you know, that somebody takes a dump in my bed. I mean, there needs to be some serious conversation around that before and afterward hey d i see what you're trying to do here you're trying to derail the conversation why but, would i um, ever derail but it's the conversation? not gonna happen man it's not gonna happen i know because you've got a book full of fucking notes over so, there of which i might add so c decided you know i bought her a nice beautiful book that you know that she could take to work like it's not a diary but it's something that you can take notes in portfolio and, type thing yeah, portfolio and, and you know the one of the her first acts of uh, vandalism of vandalism <laughs> is to rip a fucking page out of it i mean you, this is a bound book you can't go around ripping pages out no i did and no, then you, no, you can't do that i've got such such comments as beautiful pussy in here as well so this has <laughs> to work with me every single day really yeah Hopefully nobody ever flicks to the back, Hopefully no one to the dark side. Of Meanwhile, on the right hand side, I've got to do cake class, pole dancing, private group. <laughs> nice, <laughs> collective. Cake, little sorry, mix. what cake class? Cake and pole class. dancing. Yeah, and pole dancing. Fuck me. I mean, you. Your mind is like a soup of crazy zombies mm-hmm, chasing. Mm-hmm. I don't know other zombies. I like lesser to think so. zombie zombies. So getting back to the date. So oh, sorry, back to the date. We turned up and first of all, we had a few drinks and it was Ooh, a really nice bar. What? Get out. We had drinks? We had drinks, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really nice bar. It was a very nice bar. They had very uh, some really cool drinks and stuff. And also, what was really amazing is they weren't like $400 Per drink, which yeah. is something quite something quite different for us now. We're kind of <laughs> used to every drink. Which you just recently got a drink that was a light bulb in a glass of ice with with something in it, yeah. and, and I mean it was thirty dollars, almost think, forty, yeah. almost forty dollars for the the size of a light bulb. It was probably maybe thirty mils of liquid, right? Yeah, forty maybe. So an ounce and a half, yeah. ish, maybe, yeah, yeah j- like a shot, just slightly bigger than a shot glass. But yeah, good drinks. I thought there was like a blowjob coming to no, follow. No, there was none. There was no blowjobs. 
And then we went and had dinner. So we went and had dinner in the restaurant next door. Now, the reason we brought up guacamole earlier is because the whole night she kept Holy telling guacamole, us Kate. how amazing the guacamole was at the restaurant next door. Well, they were unavailable and couldn't. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel like the lack of guacamole spoiled the entire date. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure I can get past the lack of guacamole. I mean, especially being that avocado is like not hard to get your hands on, but an avocado that's not firstly like a cricket ball or I'll say baseball for those people out there who don't understand how hard a cricket ball is and then within two days it's got maggots crawling out of it yeah well. i mean there's nothing in between avocados are never ripe they're either green or rotten exactly but that's yeah. why guacamole is so hard to come by yeah so don't be judgy i'm judging <laughs> i mean i've heard so much about this guacamole now and and not only that we're sitting there eating dinner and, and it's like, oh, the guacamole next door is so awesome. I'm like, just, I mean, you're fucking teasing me with this guacamole. Yeah, between the guacamole mishap and the complete lack of understanding of Australian uh, geography was pretty fucking hilarious. Yeah, look, that's okay. We, we schooled. Australia. But, uh, but yeah, so afterwards we, we did head back to the hotel. But uh, before we did, I think you guys got a little bit freaky in the elevator, if I remember correctly. I don't know what you're talking about. I may have had there may have been a small lunge from my side of the elevator onto the other side of the elevator, yeah. with some groping and feeling and inappropriate. I'm pretty touching. sure there was. Yeah, some boobs out. There was boobs out. Well, not out, but you know, my hand was inside the the boob nest. The boob nest. Yeah, so lame. which is code for bra. I think a boob nest from now on. Yeah, but we ended up going back to to our hotel, which was fairly central and not a bad spot, I guess. Ish, you know, we had a little like lounge area it had a bed in them in it so i yeah. mean i'm just throwing that out there that's true that's yeah. true but the ladies uh the ladies stopped and both uh got dressed in some lingerie which was kind of cool which so, was very cool yeah we both had the opportunity to kind of dress down into some lingerie absolutely and the guys just stood in the bedroom backward hand slow stroking it yeah just to make things weird when you walked out now, a little thing about Mrs. Calliasian is that apparently she's straight, but the way her Mr. Calliasian <laughs> likes to explain her is that she's like spaghetti. Um, she's straight until she's wet. Yeah, straight until she's wet. So that was pretty funny. We joked about that earlier in the evening, and I, I have to. I love that. I have to testify. I love that. Uh, she, I love that line. She's she definitely. Was, she was definitely spaghetti. spaghetti yeah. That should so. be a new drop down in the menu menu on like SDC and stuff. Oh, spaghetti. She, straight or spaghetti? No, just spaghetti. Just yeah. spaghetti. I'm spaghetti. <laughs> I'm spaghetti. I like to throw some meatballs every now and then. Whoa! I like to gargle some meatballs. Yeah, juggle them around a little bit. You know, feel the sensation in my hands. That sort of thing. You know. Wow, sounds really saucy. <laughs> oh, <Huh>? fantastic. Huh? <laughs> but yeah, are we I mean the play session, I don't know what your highlight was, Dee, but I'm going to share. I'm going to share a few of mine. Um one, she has an amazingly beautiful pussy, and I actually told her that halfway through the play session yeah. because she did. Just before you stuck your face in well, it. Well, you know what? I feel like compliments of that kind don't go astray. You know, yeah, yeah. throw them I mean, out there. Good, good. She had a, I agree. She definitely had a very, nice, very and he had a lovely scene. cock as well. So I mean, like the pair of them. Yeah, so it's like a sexual yeah. toy area was it's delightful a, for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now we're talking. Given you've already, you know, given compliments for every other part of their body, I think yeah, certainly <laughs> we could go to this to the um, to the to the rude areas. But uh, do you know what my one of my highlights was? 
It was a position that we're probably, in an upcoming episode, we are going to follow on from our sex positions uh, for the couples, and we're going to move on to sex positions for three or more. So that'll be coming up in in an episode in the future. But this position is definitely going to be in the highlight reel. Okay. I don't know if you're going to remember this, so let me just try to break it down for you. Mm -hmm. So he was lying on his back with facing up to the ceiling, Mm -hmm. obviously, with his head towards the bed area. Yeah, bed head, yes. So his head was kind of touching the bed head. And on the ground. So regular way up. On the ground, yes. Like like how a normal person would sleep in a bed. He wasn't on the bed, he was on the floor. Oh. She was sitting on his face. So he was lying on the floor. She was sitting on his face. I remember this. But she was facing the bed. Now, I was then on the bed with my legs spread. She was going down on me. So it's becoming a train at this point, right? Yeah. And then you got up and kneeled on the bed and put your cock in my mouth. Yes, I do remember that. Your cock... I was on the bed. You were kneeling on the bed. Your cock in my mouth. She was was going going down down on me. She was was sitting 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 on on his face. face. The only one missing out in all of the... Well, no, I can't say he was missing out. (laughs) He had a lovely pussy in his mouth, so I'm pretty sure I don't know. Maybe maybe he was wanking. We'll have to go and see. Wanking? Wanking. Was he masturbating in the 1970s? Tugging one out. I don't know. Rubbing one out? Rubbing one out. I mean, you are terrible at this. (laughs) We'll have to find out. I'll kick you later. Wanking one out. He was wanking one out, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Maybe he was. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> definite highlight, though, for me. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was a definite highlight for me as well, because it's always nice to see a lovely lady looking up from your pussy as well. Well, okay. And the other thing was that, basically, as the session was continuing on, you were absolutely going to fucking town with her. I remember at one point uh, I was swapping with him and you were swapping with her and both the ladies were on their backs on the bed. Yeah. And her feet were basically at her ears. Yeah. And there was just a moment there where there was just fucking hardcore for I don't know how long on your at side of the bed. At least three to four seconds. <laughs> at least three to four pumps. <laughs> at pumps least. were back in the 70s again. Good for you. Good we- for you, babe. But that was fucking hot. It was actually having actually both of you, but having both of you ladies getting fucked at the same time, um, and you—I mean, you were getting fucked as well. You you had your legs up around his waist there for a while, which yeah, I actually but, quite like. Hers were by her ears. Yeah, I just I, remember thinking, bit of a pretzel. She was very flexible. Yes, which we again, had, not a downside. We did have to turn the air conditioning. All the way up. down to yeah. like as fucking cold as it, it would was go, hot. It was and it hot. still really didn't work it, out for no, us. It was not working we out. were uh, we were sweating. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know I was. Another Mr. Caliation was was sweating as well. Another highlight uh, for me was actually when we were first in the room and they were just playing and joking around and talking about standing up sixty nine. Oh yeah, and, and the then way, they, then they just did it. The way to get into the position was that he was like lying on the bed, but his feet were uh, his legs and knees and feet were over the edge, and she positioned herself into a sixty nine position, wrapped around him, and then and he proceeded to stand sit, up, sit up, sit up, and, and stand, stand up. up. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, man, it's fucking powerlifting. <laughs> Not sorry, oh that sounded horrible. That's not what I meant. It's just just like wow. Um, I'm pretty sure that we could kill each other doing that. I, I my neck would definitely break. But you actually want you told the, you said that you want to do that. I do you want, want to, to give it a go. That. But I did also I did precursor the fact that I would like to give it a go with the fact that I also think I'll die. Maybe in a sponge pool though. Maybe maybe like in we, like one of the oh you can go to the children's ball pits. A ball pit's not soft. And then just no, you, know, you don't want to get dropped into a ball pit. No, no don't want to do fuck that. No, oh, don't do a don't try and do a dive into a ball pit. I've tried it, fucking hurts. What's what's your evening highlights to share? 
Uh, actually, strikingly, you covered one of them absolutely. Um, being actually, you got both of them. So I really like the I really like the fact that uh, we were like dual fucking the ladies. That was really cool. Um, and what else I really liked about that is that both of you were really quite enjoying it, which was awesome. Um, I do. I mean, I this is kind of selfish, and me being the hot wifer dude that I am, really enjoyed the. The um, the screams and moans coming out of your mouth as you were coming, uh, like uh, two or three times, I think. So, yeah, it was a. I think it was a spectacular evening from start to finish. Yeah, lots of different positions too. I liked it. I liked the well, lots of mix between couple positions and four way positions and three way positions yeah. and like two hand positions and yeah, it was it was a it was a move moving evening. <laughs> Well, okay, so I was actually thinking about this. Come on, that's two really shit jokes that I've got no credit for whatsoever. I'm sorry. You never give me credit for my shit jokes. It's just, come as a motherfucker. I'd just have to, I mean, I'd be like, wow, that was amazing every five to ten seconds. So I was thinking about this the other day about the moving and just different positions and kind of like everything else. And I've decided, I've decided something. You ready for this? Oh, go. Okay. Swinging with couples is like rock climbing. Yeah. Why? Sometimes you kind of just got to stand back, r- review the path ahead of you. Pick a hole. Pick some holes. Holds. Think about holes. Holds. Yes, holds. Not fine. holes. <laughs> Get that D in there. Holds. Stand back. Assess the mountain that is the bodies in front of you. Decide on the best path forward and the strategy to maneuver and then just kind of find your way in. Yeah, I, I agree. So I agree. Into one of the holes. Swinging is like rock climbing. Yeah, it is. Yes, it can be, which is probably why the ballets are some of our favorite. Yeah, well, uh, nice work. Good yeah, callback. You like that? Good callback. For those of you who haven't Solid. listened to the podcast up until now, you've got a long way to go, go back to find the ballets. They're still uh, definitely around, but we haven't seen them in a while. They're coming for Christmas. They are coming for Christmas. We may try to get them in front of the microphones and this time actually hear them properly. I'm actually going to be like thinking a Christmas present. Okay. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Just, I don't know how I'm going to do that. But yeah, super, super fun evening. And actually, um, we're very excited because they're going to come to Singapore and see us very soon. Yeah, in Christmas. No, I'm talking about the Cali Asians. Oh, Cali Asians, yes. They are down here soon. Yeah, in like a month, right? Yeah. So yeah, we're super excited that we have uh, pants on and pants off friends like 45 minutes flight away. It's amazing. 45 minutes flight away. Uh, you can almost hear the desperation in her voice, folks. <laughs> hey, it's only forty-five minutes away. When you find a good couple, you gotta, you know, you gotta dig in. You gotta, you gotta pick those you holes. Gotta, you gotta commit, man. You gotta pick commit to that forty-five minute flight or whatever it is. Dive your way into those holes. Just dive your way in, exactly. Yep, gotcha. Anything else about the evening or the date that you'd like to talk no, about? No, but I've, I'm going to say I think after this conversation we should redact the, the page that you have in front of you so that, you know, like your work colleagues can't see all the fucks and sex and cunt and penis in mouth. Yeah, let me just let me vagina. just read my notes here. So I've got beautiful pussy, nice cock, spaghetti, buy when wet, lingerie, de-fucking-hard, she sits on his face, swapping, <laughs> tasting, hard-fucking, the AC is turned up. And they're coming to Singapore. Woohoo! So this is uh, in the back of your work, um, yeah. your work diary. Well, actually, I'm about two pages away from this actual page now because I've almost filled up this di- this uh, portfolio. So there yeah. you go. Yep. 
There we do go. So, yeah, fantastic evening. And so coming up next, we do have our interview with Monogamish Marriage. Oh, so, so firstly, though, thank you. Thank you guys for oh, a yeah, fantastic true. evening. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, thank you guys. And you guys are fantastic. And uh, thanks for dinner as well. Yeah. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't, even have, we didn't even pay. We oh. paid for drinks. Oh, did we? Yeah. Okay. We paid for drinks. They bought the nice wine and dinner. So C, paid, C totally paid for drinks. It's definitely going to be our, um, our turn when they come to Singapore, I think. Oh, oh, now I see. See, you remember earlier in the night when we paid for drinks, they're like, ha, 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 that's because you fuckers don't want to pay for dinner. Now I see what happened. Yeah. That was all a ploy. So when they come down to Singapore and we pay for drinks and dinner, it's like a million dollars. Unless they just come to our place. Sneaky. Order in McDonald's. Get in some yeah, Mac- fucking Get in Maccas. some Maccas. Bit of Maccas. Bit of home. Really? A little bit of, little bit of home. Just turning it up. You know what we can do? We repackage it, put it on a plate, yeah. lay it out on a nice line. Or we could just order in some In-N-Out in Burger. In-N-Out Burger? I don't know. In, in don't and do out obscure United States references unless you know what you're talking about. Yeah, good point. My bad. For shame. Yeah. God. Tim Tams. Tim Tams. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but otherwise, uh, coming up in future episodes, as we just mentioned before, we are going to cover some swinging positions for three or more people. We are? Yeah. Do we have to practice those first? Maybe we do. We need to write them down for sure. I've got yes. some pages left in my work portfolio, so it's fine. <laughs> we need drawings in there, though. They have to, there has to be drawings Absolutely. in Absolutely. Because that then, would be awesome. And, but other... they, and they also have to be stick figures. Okay. With, like, stick figures, but with stick figures. With Penises. And boobs. And boobs on the, yeah, yeah. stick figure females. It. Yeah. That, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yep. Uh, big no. veiny cocks, like stick figure with a big veiny cock. Can you draw a big veiny cock? No. C- can, you, can you give it a shot? I actually want to see your interpretation of a big veiny cock. No, but cock. I can mould one with Play-Doh. You've moulded a cock, not a veiny cock. Yeah. You just kind of mould the Play-Doh in with a vein on the side. You roll it, it's fine. you got it sorted. Yeah, now you're talking about penguin cocks. <laughs> what? Well, that's how penguins keep their hands warm. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> They roll their cock between their hands. I mean, seriously. Otherwise, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, we're going to break now. We'll be back with monogamish marriage. And thank you for listening to us as always. Break, break. Breaky, break, break. <laughs> break. Hey, guys. We're here today with Mike and Kate from Canada. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. Now, Canada is a bloody huge place. We have a map on our wall and we've never been to Canada. With no pins in it. With no yet. pins in it. We've, we've never been. It's a, it's a problem for us. We really want to get there. But how, how big is the actual country? Like flying from one side to the next? It's the second biggest country in the world by landmass. All right. So what we want to talk about today is a little bit about your country. Uh, so your culture and sexual diversity as well, just to kind of get a feel about how people grow up in different areas of the world and how that might affect sexuality or, you know, affect their sexual expression. So if you guys are good with it, we're going to talk and we're going to delve a little bit into Mike and Kate and their sexuality. Are you guys good with that? Really good. Absolutely. Really good, he says. Well, I mean, we've got the video turned off on Skype right now, so we really don't know what they're up to. I mean, it could be a very exciting um, time in the bed that they're recording. Yeah, Mike's keen to talk about sex. Well, before we get started, guys, just so our listeners have an understanding of who Mike and Kate are, can you give us a bit of a, where do you guys live? Tell us a little bit about yourself. We're a married couple who live in Toronto, and we started um, very gradually into our lifestyle adventure, probably right from the very beginning of our relationship, or close to it, so which would be seven years ago, and we decided at a certain point that 
when we were looking for information, we couldn't find the things we were interested in. So for us, that was um, information about the lifestyle that wasn't either um, jokey, um, not that we don't have senses of humor, but sometimes people use humor as a way to not talk about a subject or that wasn't clinical and cold. So we or just, just plain erotica. Yeah, or just plain erotica. So we wanted to just write about it in a way that was real, that we would not hold back when we had failings and embarrassing moments and that kind of thing. And it was just a nice thing to do together as a couple, as a creative project as well. I got stuck in the erotica for months, just FYI. <laughs> um, actually still there in a lot of, lot, lot of cases. Yeah. <laughs> Just... Oh yeah, there's nothing wrong with sexy stories. We we tell some of them too. Right. Yeah, and we can send you a topless picture of Kate um, <laughs> as soon as we're finished this interview. So yeah, so okay. Hurry up. We want to meet all your needs. <laughs> okay. So interview over. Um, this is C and D signing off. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your sexual history. So you guys got together seven years ago. I'm assuming you weren't virgins when you got married. Is that accurate? <laughs> I was a virgin when I got married the first time at 23 years of age. Wow, were you? 23 years old, virgin, walking down the aisle, then you did the whole evening. What is that What is that called, D? when you take somebody uh, back at that night? Well, an evening of terror. <laughs> <laughs> you consummated your marriage that evening, a.k.a. the evening of terror. No, we couldn't even cement it that evening because it's hard. <laughs> You know, you hold back that long. You don't just go, hey, uh, let's go. Yeah, it was a very difficult couple of days to get it right. So, but we were, came from a very religious background, my first wife and I. So there's lots of baggage to deal, to deal with. It's interesting. Um, you say that because here in Singapore, we still have a whole lot of people who've been married for, you know, we know of people that have been married for up to 10 years and still haven't managed to consummate their marriage just wow. around the fact that they've had a interesting upbringing, I suppose, when it comes to their sexuality. Yeah, and oftentimes yeah. I don't think there's a lot of information readily available for people about that subject, right? I mean, Mike, who who would have taught you, you know, like what to do on uh, on your wedding night? You know, where did you get that information from? Did that education come from anywhere within the family, or was it just assumed that you'd kind of find your merry own way or school? Oh no, I I like I attended the University of Porn regularly from the age of thirteen, <laughs> so I knew what to do. It was frankly just my wife was too nervous; like, we just couldn't get it in, to be frank. So, um, yeah, it took a little while. And that was the template for the next 26 years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, you were, um, so your ex-wife was a 26 year marriage. Yes, that's right. And so but, during, during that time you were, you were obviously exploring a little bit more about what you wanted in the bedroom and perhaps she was still holding some of those, you know, difficult upbringings or a bit more structured upbringing. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think a, a lot of religious women, but others as well. It's, you know, you're taught to be a good girl, be a good girl, be a good girl. Da, 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 da. <laughs> okay. Now do whatever you want. And yeah. yeah. And some women just go, that's awesome. And they just, they're off the races. And some go, I can't turn that corner that fast. And she was one of those people. I turned the corner very fast, though. Yeah, I was I was about to flip over and say, Kate, tell us about your devious upbringing, and you you you, right. you obviously you know caught caught Mike in with some of your sexual advances, and uh, he he couldn't hold back. So tell us about yourself. 
<laughs> well, it's funny because we both had pretty religious upbringings. And um, my parents were just very different in that um, it was a very sex positive home, but it was always kind of within the context of marriage. So my parents were really flirty and were constantly touching and kissing and, you know, making jokes about the wet spot. Gross. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I never had any big religious hangups about sex, but I did try to wait until marriage. I didn't quite get there, but we were engaged um, by the time I lost my virginity. Um but yeah, like I just embraced it wholeheartedly. We tried everything, you know, in the two years we were dating where we were trying not to do it, we were doing everything else. And I got really good at blow jobs and, you know, hand jobs and all kinds of fun massage things. And so it was actually a pretty great education trying to hold off, but just do everything else. And then once the floodgates were open, I was just like, <laughs> you use the crazy. term floodgates so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, it's really amazing because for us, you know, we, we've mentioned it before, but we actually lost our virginity quite young. And I know that the age of consent in Canada is 16, which is the same as Australia, but to, I guess for us, for me, I don't know, I can't speak for D, but hearing two people that, were, you know, young adults losing their virginity is a bit of a mind blown for me. It's pretty rare for me to have a conversation with people who had, uh, you know, lost their virginity around your ages. I don't know. Dee, what do you think? You know, I think, I think we were both a little bit, um, more conservative and more, um, cautious about sex at the beginning than our peers were. I know most of my girlfriends had lost their virginity by the time they graduated high school. Um, so I think we were, we were the exception, not the rule. That's interesting. So, I mean, th did that, you know, hinder your your wanting to do it or did it make you want to do it more? I mean, did you have any, or did you feel any pressure from those people, you know, whether it was uh, intense pressure, whether they had actually meant the pressure or whether it was just perceived pressure as, as you're going through your education and other people are, I guess, starting to, you know, sexually express themselves? I don't think I had any external pressures. It was just my own desire. So I was really horny. Like I masturbated for the first time when I was three. So <laughs> I, I just really wanted to fuck. But, um, so for me, the only pressure was like my own desire fighting against what I thought God wanted me to do. Um, so hearing my friends talk about it, it wasn't really. Um, like it didn't affect me one way or the other. I, I was happy for them because they seemed to enjoy it. And I, I maybe a little bit envious that they could do it without feeling guilty. No, I think my only battle was within myself, really. I am, I'm both impressed that you remembered what you did at the age of three because I can't remember anything <laughs> from that young. Dude, everyone remembers their first orgasm, <laughs> even, no matter even <laughs> if it is age of three. Yeah, wow, that that is impressive. What what about yourself, Mike? Did you? I mean, were you masturbating at the age of three, or were you tipping it and doing it at two and a half? No, <laughs> no, that was like thirteen for me. But you know, when you talk about like losing your virginity late, I considered myself the horniest young man in the Western world. But at the same time, I had I took my faith super seriously. So. You could not, if you had, if a beautiful woman had approached me at the age of 20 and said, no one's going to know about this. I'm never going to tell anyone and I'm moving 
to uh, China Australia. next year. You can have sex. We can have <laughs> sex. And I would have said, and here's $500 to have sex with me. <laughs> and I would have said, it doesn't matter. God can see. I can hold back. So, like, I took it very seriously. But I was jerking off continuously. So... <laughs> Like you couldn't uh, leave the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as you put it in a sock, God's unwilling to see it. Is that, is that where we're at? <laughs> yeah, I had ways of explaining it to myself. But, <laughs> yeah. and, okay, so again, thinking about your masturbation and thinking about when you guys started having sex, I mean, Kate, where do people actually go to have sex when they're younger? I mean, do for the first time when you did it, was it in your house, your partner's house, a friend's house, the back seat of the car? I mean, where do people actually go to have sex when, when they're in Canada? I don't know, Toronto. <laughs> well, I definitely had a lot of car sex. So we got to know the, um, the local parking lots really well. Um, <laughs> but well, I actually lost my virginity in my boyfriend's parents' house where he was still living at the time. I guess they were away for the evening or something. And, uh, yeah, so I think a lot of kids, you know, they, they just do it at their parents' house when they're out or when they're, you know, upstairs and the kids are in the basement. I don't, I don't know. I haven't done a poll of where kids have sex, but, uh, <laughs> I would guess there are a lot of bedrooms. No, but we have an 18 year old probably had his first time in our house in the last six months or so. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're pretty discreet. When he's in the basement, we don't go down there without calling out first. In the hope he does the same thing for you. When he's walking upstairs, hopefully he yells out, right? Oh, oh we're terrible. Yeah. We're shameless. So, yeah, he's probably been deeply traumatized already. <laughs> Perfect. So, I mean, given, uh, you know, C's done a usual study here to understand the history of sexuality in Canada. And I've got to say, you guys should be very proud of your history in terms of how quickly you adopted everything around, you know, homosexuality, just sexuality in general. It's been quite a open country. Do you think that's helped you guys once, once you got over, and I think both of you kind of explained some pseudo-religious hang-ups, once you got past those, do you think the openness of the country's mentality towards sex has helped you guys move into something that's a little bit... I suppose left to center when you're talking about, you know, an open relationship versus your traditional monogamous style. Yeah. Well, I think it probably it's the same thing in, uh, in the, where you live, or at least in Australia, maybe not in Singapore, but the, you know, there's a legislative level of change and then there's a street level of change. And it's been frankly jaw dropping how quickly, like within a generation, you know, you could still make slurs about gay people and everyone knew what you meant and no one thought that was wrong in any way to like a total break and a real sensitivity to different kinds of sexuality. And that happens so fast in our culture. It really, it's inspiring and it's amazing. So why do you think so yeah, that is? Us. I mean, why do you think it changed so quickly at street level? Because Certainly in Australia, legislatively, wow, that's a tough word and a big one. It's bigger than marmalade. Um, <clears throat> at a legislative level, certainly the changes happened a little while ago, but we've still see some, some hang-ups in some areas of the country, and I'm going to isolate areas, 
that they're, they're not yet embracing that. And I think conversely here in Singapore, the street level is actually more open more than, progressive the, than, law. Than, the, than the legal, the legislative le- level. It's really quite interesting to see the difference. Well, I think, you know, like there's things here, like President Obama said that he credited Ellen with making the change. So just, you know, seeing people on TV who weren't the subjects of, um, of parody and just being real and being gay and I think that made a difference and, uh, just a lot of, a lot of little things added up into a big change. But I wouldn't pretend to really be able to explain it myself sociologically. Yeah. And it, you know, gay marriage has been legal here for more than 10 years now. You know, it was interesting to watch in the States just in the past few years as they gradually legalized gay marriage to see the uproar, you know, on Facebook and Twitter. And, and just to kind of look at each other and, and laugh and be like, you know, what's the big deal? We've had it for a long time. It's not a problem. Yeah, I don't know what accounts for that. Maybe it's just we've had longer to get used to the idea. Um, maybe it's that, you know, a large percentage of Canadians. I was reading the other day, I think 82% of Canadians live in large cities. So, you know, when you live in a, in a fairly large urban area, you're just exposed to a lot of different ways of being, right? You know, different cultures and religions and um, different colors and different foods and different sexualities. And so I think because so many Canadians are in those big urban centers and are exposed to so many different, you know, ways of living, we tend to accept lots of things faster. I don't know. No, it's a, it's a really valid point because living in bigger cities, you are generally exposed to a, a broader range of people and how they choose to live their life. And that- Especially the, the naked men in jackets in the park. They expose <laughs> yeah. themselves quite a lot. The naked men in jackets in I'm the pretty park. sure there's nobody in Canada who's naked in a park in winter, just FYI. Oh, they could be. Oh, not in winter. <laughs> if they are, they're not showing you much. They'd be showing like two belly buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. And so for for you guys, I I know recently that you actually wrote a very good article on on some of the Toronto clubs. And, you know, I follow a lot of the clubs on our Twitter account and I see some of the, I guess, the the events they're hosting both inside and outside of the club. There's been like a naked bike ride through the city recently. That sounds messy. (laughs) I mean... This is a seed-on scenario or a seed-off scenario? I mean, this is a seed-on scenario. But, I mean, for, for me looking at that, obviously I'm amazed. One, one, I'm amazed by it and I think how progressive. But then, two, I'm like, gosh, you know, what would that be like to live in a country where you could be so expressive? I know that you wrote an article on the Toronto club scene, but for you guys being in the lifestyle, where do you actually go to meet like-minded people? Do you prefer clubs? Do you think the clubs in your area are – uh, great to go to, or is it a sporadic thing that you do? I mean, how, how do you meet like-minded people? Well, we're really spoiled for clubs because, yes, yeah, we wrote in the article, there are five major ones very close to where we live. So fucking hate all... you guys right now. <laughs> 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 Sorry, but please the continue. Is, we're really, we're really verbal people. And the one thing you can't do at a club, you can have sex, you can have a threesome, dance, you can drink till you're drunk. But you can't have a conversation at a sex club. Most of them. Oasis is different. Oasis is different. That's true. So we, we got away from meeting people at, well, 
I just think we never met anyone at a club. We just couldn't learn a name because of the, how loud it was. But we started online dating and as a couple, and that was just immensely rewarding sexually and socially. I think it's really interesting you say that we, the clubs we enjoy are the clubs where the music's quiet enough, certainly in some of the areas. You know, you're going to have some division, maybe a dance floor where it's louder, but you've got little areas where you can sit down with people and actually converse, get to know them, understand their story a little bit, and more importantly for me, understand that they're actually on the same page because in clubs or in any, I'm going to say, forced environment, you've got to be careful that you don't end up with a couple that's in a a different frame of mind from each other and you never know that mm. until you've actually sat with them and you can and you can gauge that I mean, and you can pick that up fairly quickly when you do actually sit and talk with somebody it, it doesn't take long at all to understand a couple's not at the same place yeah sometimes you don't even need to say a word you can just see it but <laughs> definitely once you get talking the contradictions come out yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think for for us, you know, the the times we've enjoyed visiting clubs, and I mean, we, we do enjoy them. They're quite fun. Obviously, for us, we go to them very rarely. So I think probably now when we go to a club, we are kind of interested in having that party atmosphere um, because we just don't have it around us right now. But I know that the club that you have there, they've got like a daytime pool set up. So you can kind of have more of that intellectual connection before you go off and, and play, you know, but whereas for us right now, it's, it is very heavy on the, the online dating or couple to couple or threesome uh, dates as opposed to kind of going to a club. But do you, do you guys have a variety of dating sites there? Maybe that there's one or two more dominant sites? Well, there's definitely, I think in every area, there's a site that is the place where people congregate. And so for us in at least our part of Canada, it's a site called Cafe Desire. So the site graphics are not awesome. Functionality is not superb, but it is the place where you want, if you want to find someone in the Toronto area, that's the one place where they are. And so we've met a lot of great people there. Yeah. So we're also on Cassidy and SLS, but we just don't find there are a lot of Toronto based people on that, on those sites. So when we travel to the States, we'll use some of the, some of the more American um, sites to try and find parties or, or people we want to meet. But yeah, when we're here, it's Cafe Desire. Yeah. And the other thing that we didn't mention is that um, house parties have become a big thing. So we've met a lot of great people at other ones, again, because they're venues where you can actually have a conversation. And then we started having parties of our own two years ago, and that's been an amazing experience for us. Do you guys ever travel to the other side of Canada to enjoy the lifestyle? I mean, do you have any other experiences, you know, away from the Toronto scene, perhaps on the, the west coast of Canada at all? We haven't traveled within Canada, but we love hedonism. So we've been there 10 times and we've met a lot of great people there. Actually, there's a surprising number of Canadians at Hedo. Um, every time we go, we're, we're shocked by what a, a big group of Canadians there are. And, you know, when we travel in the States, we always look for a scene so in Chicago and New York and the problem for us was we went to all these cities that are bigger and have maybe a richer sexual history you would imagine than Toronto and we just never found a scene like even we're used to here New York's you know five times bigger than Toronto so you think if we have five clubs they'll have 25 clubs and they don't they have like two 
<laughs> and so it was not an easy scene for us to, I was going to say penetrate, but I want Dee to keep focusing <laughs> on the conversation here and not just kind of wander off. And, uh, uh, into <laughs> I mean, that's not a big surprise to us. It's kind of interesting, even speaking with uh, your North American brethren, they're, they're <laughs> also, well, we've all noticed quite, well, seemingly Canada has a lot more swingers or a lot more non-monogamy and similarly has a lot more clubs than what we're used to in cities of equivalent sizes that seems to be across the board you know we've got friends from both coasts in canada and it seems that it's it seems to be a common common commonality i suppose that there is more than you would expect so it's interesting you guys have found that as well, mm. even just going down into North America. Or when we go to hedonism, we were surprised by how many Canadians are there. Like you would think, well, we're near a country that's 10 times bigger, so there should be 10 times more of them than us. And it's not the case. It's almost 50-50. And when we talk to people, they invariably say, oh, our country is so conservative and so old-fashioned, even though we're aware of the pop culture that seems so the opposite of that seems so progressive and open to adventure but apparently that's just the thin veneer at the top and that beneath it is a deep reservoir of conservatism yeah i'm actually interested in that i think next we speak to an american couple because we're going to slut our way around the world here and speak to people from different countries all over and ask this question i think that's something of interest is that does the well actually i'll ask you guys does your pop cult culture truly reflect is the the i mean not truly but is it at least some form of reflection of what's actually happening in country (laughs) i think if you watch canadian television you would think that we're all british (laughs) (laughs) most of canadian tv has british actors or maybe we've just imported bbc programming i don't know so I don't know if that, that we even have. <laughs> yeah, we just take on the uh, American pop culture and pretend it's ours. Okay, I have a question why there's so many Canadians at Hedo. Do you, do you guys have direct flights down there or something? <laughs> Is that what's going on? Because for us to get there, I think it's about 29, almost 30 hours. Holy shit. Yeah, so <laughs> for us and from Toronto, we're really lucky. It's like three and a half hours in the air. Direct. I mean, seriously, so there's I'm a problem. Just wanting to hang up. This there's a few reasons to hang up. Firstly, <laughs> the more number clubs. Of clubs. The number Secondly, three-hour flight to get to an all-naked fucking island. Yeah. And three, I'm going to get to see Kate's boobs when we hang up. <laughs> do you think yeah. I've forgotten? I haven't forgotten. <laughs> I don't think she's forgotten either. <laughs> oh gosh. And it's okay. So yeah, it's pretty good to be Canadian. <laughs> yeah, and free healthcare. I mean, and free fucking healthcare. Yes, <laughs> and global warming has to be good for someone. And guess who it's good for? I can oh, imagine you guys are working on your tan quite well at the moment. Thirty years from now, it's going to be heaven on earth, and Singapore is literally going to be hell. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> it's going to be so we'll, like I, constant ninety degrees temperature here, and I mean Celsius. Yeah. By the okay. way, Kate's got her shirt off now, so she's ready for that. That little expose at the end, but just keeping you updated. Please, let's continue with the interview. (laughs) Did anybody hear that knock on the bottom of the table? (laughs) So you said there before that perhaps, you know, people had this perception that if you scratch, if you scratch the top level, that maybe underneath it's not as kind of freeing and opening. 
For you guys, if you were to come out to your community, to your peers, uh, what would, if anything, be the ramifications of that? I've come out to most of my friends and family. Um, the only people I'm afraid of right now are my parents and colleagues. Uh, my parents are still very religious and might disown me. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so they cannot know ever, ever. I so would be worried about my siblings at work. Out of the question um, as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my siblings know, my friends know, my son even knows that I'm a nudist. Um, I, I'm not too worried about that, but it would not be good at work. And, and what about you, Mike? What's your, your thoughts on it? Well, the big debate for me actually is my kids because I feel like what we've discovered, um, almost by accident, is how amazing, even from a spiritual level, the lifestyle is, just in terms of connecting with people on a way that you couldn't have imagined was possible. What it's done for our relationship, which was a fantastic relationship to start with, is now just into the surreally fantastic. So to not tell my kids that from, I don't know, some leftover prudishness, I feel like I'm, they're missing out on their education. So they may come across it on their own anyway. But that's been the debate with Kate and I, just whether to talk to them about it, at what stage will they be judgmental of her, who is not their mom, who came lately into my life and their lives. So that's the big thing for us. I, my business partner knows, I talk to him about it all the time. He's like just wildly interested in every um, chapter of our adventures. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to get a little bit away from Canada right now because this has been something that Dee and I have discussed a lot and, and I, I really want to talk to you about it. Mike, you just said that you've told your work colleagues and they're intrigued by it. Kate, you said you're worried about telling your work colleagues because, and again, this is just my personal assumption, but that <laughs> they might judge you and that could hinder you in your business you know, ha- progression. It is that a valid statement? And the reason I'm asking that is because we have over the years realized that if D tells a colleague or an ex-colleague uh, that, you know, he, he gets the old pat on the back, like, good on it's you, sluts buddy. Sluts versus studs yeah. is what it is. <laughs> Whereas for me, you know, sometimes in business at a certain level, we, we can already be perceived as being the bitch, the power bitch, you know, these sorts of things. And I guess I also hold concerns if I told my colleagues, would that hinder my career possibilities? Uh, Kate, what is your reasons and and what do you think about the fact that Mike can be very open and you're concerned about it? I mean, the double standard is certainly real, but the, the luxury for Mike is that he owns his own business, so he cannot get fired. So, (laughs) So he has complete job security. For me, I work for other people. So I, I just have to be more cautious about how I'm perceived because there are rules in my workplace about um, conduct. And so um, I actually told one of my colleagues about our blog because she was talking to me about um, how she's wanting to enter an open relationship. And she had had a relationship with um, a much, much younger man who was in a relationship himself. Anyway, um, so I felt like we were sharing and there was kind of mutually assured destruction here. So I told her about the blog and very quickly it spread throughout my workplace. And it went from I write a blog to I am on a sex website. So all of a sudden I was a porn star. And yeah, I had to shut that down really fast and say that she was lying. Jesus. 
All those whispers, that's, um, that's awesome. I love the way the story's changed. Before you know it, you're an anal sex toy model. Oh, yeah, it's the, it's the <laughs> fucking game of telephone, right? No, nothing stays the same. It just gets crazier and crazier. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, though. That's, that's shitty because you are right. I think, you know, even for us, when we share our face photos, when we share our, our work, our careers, or open up, I guess, a little bit, under that that surface level introductions and share the real C and D, you know, yes, people could quite easily use that to our advantage or to their advantage. But sometimes we not to their advantage, to our detriment. To our detriment. There's <laughs> a very big difference. <laughs> but so, but yeah. oftentimes when you do that, there is that perception of there's a level of security. Hey, we're both in this together. You know, equally we know each other about mm-hmm. we know a little bit about each other, and we're not going to kind of hurt each other. I guess. So that self assured destruction still got the. Um, yeah. The, the nuclear clock to five, five seconds, I'm oh, sorry, five minutes before midnight. So, yeah. you know, I'm not sure that that's <laughs> unfortunately the mindset that works with humanity. Yeah. The problem comes when one party can, is discreet and the other one just is not capable of that. Right. Yeah. Right. So anyway, everybody's faults, everybody's faults not as well, uh, well sealed as I think they like to believe. Unfortunately, yeah. we all make slips. You know, none of us are super spies or anything like that. So it becomes hard to not make mistakes, especially the more people you make uh, meet along the way. Mm. You mentioned your son before, and and battling with: Do you tell him? Do you not tell him? You know, your sexual expression. Do, has does he ever talk to you about what he learned in school? I mean, what is the education or the sexual health like in in Canada? I mean, obviously there'd be a difference from when you were growing up versus perhaps what your son has gone through. Does he share any of that with you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've always had a really open and honest relationship with him, and so you know, when he was like eight months into his relationship with his girlfriend, I sat him down and said, "Okay, I don't know if you guys are there yet, but." When you get there, um, you need to make sure you use condoms. So I'm going to give you a bunch of them. You try them on in your room, see which ones fit, and I'll go buy you a box. <laughs> and then when you get there, um, you know, you need to make sure that the girl's pleasure comes first and don't just <laughs> stick it in and go to town like that. That's not going to be the best experience for anyone. And um, at first he was like, ew, mom, stop. But, you know, the more I just kind of brought it up casually the more he listened and asked questions and um so yeah so we've got a, a pretty awesome open relationship mm-hmm. um, but as far as the education system Ontario the province we live in actually uh just introduced a couple of years ago a really progressive new sex ed education uh sex ed curriculum it included talk about consent and about different sexual orientations starting from as early as uh, grade one, so six years old, um, just talking to the kids at a you know an age-appropriate level about how your body is yours and only you can touch it and um, introducing the idea of homosexuality and transgender people um, by third grade. And I thought it was amazing, but uh, the government re- uh, recently switched from a liberal to a conservative government and they have pulled that sex ed much to a lot of people's chagrin. So it's interesting how, you know, we we take these forward steps and then it just takes one, one change of leadership and then everything can go backward. So, you know, so I've done what I can in my home to make sure things are very open and on the table and 
you know, I talked to my nine-year-old about you can like boys or you can like girls. You can like two boys or two girls or a boy and a girl. I don't care. I will always love you. I just want you to be happy. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the school system was helping us out with those conversations and hopefully will again soon. But I make sure to have them in the home frequently. That's amazing. I, I can't believe that they had that. I mean, and yes, it's a, it seems like it's a real shame that that's gone now um, because that sounds really, really great for people growing up to have those those conversations. And as you say, it might start with you know some consent and then gradually increase on, on what you're discussing with them as their age becomes more appropriate. But that sounds like amazing. I don't know anywhere else in the world that does that. I think the consent side of things is critical. In fact, C and I had a discussion about this in our private lives just recently around the lack of understanding of children who are put in horrible positions by adults that they have this perception that they don't have the ability to discuss this with the people around them and discuss the fact that something they believe is inappropriate is happen happening. You know, and, and I think the basis of that is the lack of education that it is inappropriate for you to be um, in a position that makes you feel uncomfortable, whatever that position might be. So I think starting that early is actually quite, is quite a good thing. And again, you know, the conservatives or not, the idea of talking about the areas of, of their body that they're in control of is kind of important you know, uh, well, not kind of mm. important. I think it's critical. Mike, if Kate hadn't have given your son condoms and said, here's a bunch, try them on, where where would he have gone um, to, to get those? I mean, like, do you guys have, are the condoms readily available at, you know, perhaps a chemist or a pharmacy? A chemist is an Australian word, sorry, a pharmacy. <laughs> um, or do you have to go to a sexual health clinic? I mean, how would people go about getting access to that? Or are they on, you know, in a convenience store on every second corner? Yeah, they're very easy to find, but I think making that leap from there are the condoms on the rack to walking up to the checkout counter with the box that you're buying for yourself is a gigantic leap. And so I think what Kate did was just make that incredibly easy by saying, I'm actually going to buy them for you and I talk and we're going to talk about it. And it's, there's not going to be any shame around this or any sense that a secret has to be kept. And so that was the big thing. But as far as availability, they're very available, easy to get a hold of. Well, sometimes I still struggle, depending on what country we're in, to walk in and buy <laughs> condoms. It's, you know, yeah. it's, it's ludicrous that that's the case, but I'd still much rather buy my condoms online because I'm a faceless number when I do that. Yeah, well, for me, I recently found out I'm not the biggest guy in the block, but for some reason the magnums fit me better for girth. <laughs> so I was, I was the opposite of you. I was so anxious to go into a store, pick up a box <laughs> of magnums, stroll to the checkout, look at, look the checkout girl in the eye and say, yeah, I'm paying a debit on these and just <laughs> let her let her imagination run wild. You just so lay it down box. face yeah. up. Yeah. Not, just... not one box, but three as well. He was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm very busy. I'm buying three boxes today. I'll be back at the weekend. Yeah. When do you guys restock your shelves? <laughs> uh, yeah. When does the truck come in? That's hilarious because the last um, batch of condoms I got, 
online because we can't actually buy the condoms I like here in Singapore. Um, okay. But the last batch I bought was a was a box of one hundred condoms. Yeah. We, <laughs> oh. We buy them in that hundreds makes you at a time. New hero, D. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, I don't know whether you've listened to the podcast where I talk about how many condoms I generally use in a session, I'm pretty heavy on the <laughs> on the usage, and that's more around. Um, I'm not going to say my stamina. It's just more around the fact that I safe practice. Yeah, I prefer to be safe in my practice. So yeah, I, I think, mean, right. even last Saturday we you probably like double bag used- it. Do you? No, <laughs> not quite double bag it. We used to say double bag it with Dankerub in between. I'm not sure whether you have Dankerub, uh, but um, no matter which condom breaks, somebody's stopping, aren't they? I'm going to change gears a little bit because I really, I really want to know from you both. I'm going to ask Mike first because he's spoken less. Mike, do you have a fuck it list and what is next for you? What do you want to experience next? I mean, you guys are hosting parties, you're traveling to Hito. Obviously, you've had a lot of fun. Is there anything that springs to mind of what you want to try next? There is one thing, and we've written about this a bit in the blog, and that's my buy side. And my buy side is not enormous but it's not non-existent either and we have one play partner who we're just edging so slow motion into that so i'll give you an example so when so he and i if we have a threesome with kate when one of us is fucking her the other is rubbing her clit but if you're rubbing the clit of a woman who's being fucked by another mm-hmm. man, you're also kind of coming into contact with his cock. So someone might say, that that's not even bi. That's just incidental engagement. But <laughs> it is fucking hotter than hell for me right now. <laughs> so I can't wait till... And I think it's just going to move along in its little direction. So for me, too, my sexuality, a lot of times, is not about big things. So I'm not looking to have a to have seven women at once, I'm looking at this tiny little progress we're making in this one area of my sexuality. So I don't know if that's a good answer or what you were looking for, but... Uh, no, that's... I mean, for, for starters, I, I absolutely understand what you're talking about because uh, last Saturday, Dee was fucking a lady and I was rubbing her clit and definitely I was touching his cock. So absolutely... <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, she she also hated it. Uh, I'm sure Kate hates it as well. Um, so I know what you're talking about there, but no, thank you. And you're absolutely right. I mean, when I started approaching my sexuality too, you know, I had moments there where little things would progressively happen to the point where I was like, yes, I want to explore and I, I want to try and explore that a little bit more. And I think mm-hmm. as you become more comfortable with people, things will naturally progress if everyone's open to that progression. And that's something obviously you've got to establish along the way. Now, I mean, C's uh, uh, drawn that out of you. I'm going to have to turn around and ask Kate, what's your... Do you have anything on your list? I mean, it may be as simple as just seeing Mike do what he just explained. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that was that would definitely be incredibly hot. I'm all into the bi male thing. Let's see, for me, okay, so the, can I say two? <laughs> oh, yes, go nuts. You can say <laughs> yeah. as many as you like. Okay, um, so one is probably going to become a reality shortly, uh, which is I would like to be a unicorn. Um, so... Uh, there's a situation coming up where we've met a guy who is in an open relationship and his girlfriend is interested in maybe exploring swinging and she wants to start with another girl. Um, so I have volunteered to be that other girl. And I think it would be incredibly hot not only to be 
in the threesome. I've done that lots of times, but to be the, you know, the mentor and again, the initiator. So I guess we both have a bit of a, a mentor. So yeah, so I'd love to be like her first. I want to be the first girl to make her come. I want to be her, like her, that first experience story that she tells other people in the future. So I love that idea. And my second one is pegging. So <laughs> And you got a third one. I have a third one? Yeah. What? You want to be a party favor. Oh, yeah. I want to be a party favor. So <laughs> so I'd love to have at one of our parties where we know and trust everyone, I'd love to be tied up and blindfolded and just let people do whatever they want to me. Wow. Well, that sounds awesome. I like all three of those answers, and I'll tell you why. The first one, your point about being somebody else's story that they tell and possibly the reason that they continue their own sexual growth is both sexy as hell and really, really cool and inspiring. Mm. Two, pegging, uh, absolutely. D and I are about to venture down this path soon. And is that right? That is right. <laughs> and we just have Get to. Get out of the loop, D. But I actually, I, I was googling um at a couple of weeks ago about like how to peg your partner for the first time, and I sent the <laughs> this article on you know like it was Tuesday, Tuesday at ten a.m. or something, yeah. and I just sent him the link, and I was like, hey, look at this, and he was like, um, cool. What? <laughs> I, I feel like. Two hours ago, we were having a coffee, and now you're sending me pegging articles, and you're at work. What the fuck is going on? But then your third one as well, the whole idea of yeah, having that, I guess, sensuality of touch and, and not being able to understand who it is, I mean, also sounds sexy as hell. And, you, you know, I've read about your house parties, and, and I have obviously... I feel like I understand a little bit about how you like to explore and your parties and you just kind of, you know, let whatever comes come, so to speak. Um, <laughs> You've got to stop it with the inappropriate puns. I mean, they're just... But, yeah, that's that sounds great. Yeah, by the way, I would immediately buy a novel called The Broken Strap-On. So <laughs> if, any of your, if any of your listeners are writers out there, I just think that's such a promising title and concept. Anyway, let's move on. You're actually right. That is a great title. Yeah, I can see the, the I can see the cover art in my mind as well. Oh yeah, visualizing that. I might write. I'm going to write that book. Forget it. <laughs> your I'm Please, write we're happy to sign the cover on on your behalf. <laughs> All right, before we close out today, guys, I mean, is there anything that you want the listeners to know about Canada from a diversity, from a cultural and sexuality perspective? Well, I think Canada is incredibly diverse and it's something that we embrace and celebrate and we, most of us, view as a strength. So we, we welcome immigrants. We love their new perspective. We love their food. You can get any kind of food you want within like a 10 block radius in Toronto. It's like, it's like a world tour. It's amazing. And we, we just love to have, you know, fresh new people bringing fresh new experiences and perspectives and translates to sexuality as well. Um, we're very embracing of, uh, the LGBTQ I or A, I forget. That's it, Q-I, I got it, yep. Yeah, we love the whole spectrum. And we've got great healthcare, we have free sexual health clinics with free STI testing and contraception. And so, um, yeah, I think Canada is wonderfully embracing of all kinds of ways of living. I was about to say, I actually have an office in Canada and I'm thinking about jumping online in about five minutes and checking on the job vacancies. Yes, you should. (laughs) 
Again, thank you so much, guys, for joining us today, Mike and Kate. But I, I want to allow you guys to tell the listeners about your blog. I mean, I've read a lot of your articles, your house parties, obviously your Toronto clubs most recently as well. And I think you did one on how to take sexy photos. Uh, you're both uh, photography. Didn't work for me. No. <laughs> Couldn't get the lighting right. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, we had spotlights pointed at every part of my body and still looked weird. So can you can you share with your listeners how they can reach you on your blog, where they can look it up and, and find out more about, you know, your adventures and, and Canada in general? Yeah, the blog is at themonogamishmarriage.com. So a little unwieldy, but once you get the hang of it, it's easy. And then it's also worthwhile to follow Kate on Twitter, which is at... Monogamish1. Um, where we post lots of semi-naked and sometimes fully naked pictures of me and occasionally of Mike, who is also pretty fucking hot. I can attest to that both of those uh, both of those uh, comments there. We had a, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast recently, one of our one of our lovely friends in the US and they were saying how there just doesn't appear to be we haven't found anyone from Canada yet who's unattractive. So so right. um, I, I mean yeah, it's just shit. There's so many reasons I'm so upset at your country right now. <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure, Mike and Kate, and we will, of course, share your blog and your Twitter links on the show notes today. But thank you for joining us on our exploration of different cultures, countries, and sexual diversity on the Swinging Down on a Podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, and thanks for doing what you do, too. We're big fans of the of your podcast, and so it was a real delight to actually interact. Well, welcome, guys. We are here today with Mike and Kate. What a Kate. spectacular voice change. <sighs> Fuck Can you, you get dude. back out of radio mode for me? <laughs> and Go. We've lost our home connection restart in the modem. Modem down. Modem down. Although I do like that in 1969, homosexuality was decriminalised just because of the date. Right. I mean, could you do it any better? And by the way, it was just that one position that was decriminalised. <laughs> <laughs> for homosexuals. Yes, yeah. only for homosexuals. <laughs>